Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We are celebrating 70 years of WDET this year. That is seven decades of independent journalism, inclusive conversations, and insights into the culture of our city and region. Today, we're having the first in a series of conversations with current and former WDET employees about their time here and what the station was like. And I am really pleased to welcome the first in the line of folks that we are talking to about this, one of my favorite people around town. Frank Joyce is an author and activist, and he was the news director here at WDET in the early to mid-1980s. Frank, welcome back to WDET, and welcome to the studio. Stephen, it's great to be here, and it's great to be here during a pledge drive. Yeah, right? (laughs) I was telling Jake a minute ago, you know, I was an advocate of of all pledge radio back in the day. <laughs> now, what is all pledge radio? <laughs> well, I always thought that pledge drive was a unique opportunity at DET to make a different kind of radio, to connect in a different way with the listeners. And as an extremist who carries things too far routinely, <laughs> I came up with the idea of, well, let's just scrap all the other programming and we'll just, just do, do pledge this. all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure the listeners would love that. <laughs> well, if, it, if done right, I think they would. You know, I wanted to try a little thought experiment here. Um, and there's a few people still alive who remember me back in the day, in my D- DET days. So can people still call 313-577-1019 and make a pledge, or is that number? Yeah, no, no, that's the number we use every day. It's on in, the show. it's in my head yeah. forever. That and then we have an eight hundred number now, the nine five nine nine three three eight, where you can can also make plans. Yeah, that so, newfangled eight hundred. Yeah, well, thing. people out of town, right? Don't want to pay uh, long pay distance. the money. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start with how you came to work here at WDET in the early nineteen eighties. Well, I had a kind of an odd uh, career. My radio career, I'd been. In doing print stuff for a long time before that. And as you said, I was an activist starting in the early 1960s. Um, I had been the news director at WABX okay. um, in the late 70s. And then and I, I took a sort of a zigzag turn. And when WTVS, Channel 56, had a news program for a time, uh, I worked there. Uh, in the news department at TVS. That didn't last all that long, and that's an interesting story, too. (laughs) Anyway, that program ultimately got canceled, um, and so there was an opening that I found out about. I don't recall how. Here at DET, I made an audition tape. I submitted it. I came in, uh, sort of auditioned with Karen Mathis, the then general manager, and uh, got the job. And and so I've known you a while, and I know of your very important history in alternative journalism here and in radical politics here in in the city of Detroit. It, it seems to me that back then in the 80s uh, and before, WDET was uh, more a part of that kind of uh, work here in the city, that, that there wasn't that much... Um, you didn't have to travel too far, I guess, uh, <laughs> to go from what you had been doing to, to being here. Well, that is true, and it is a great point. And let me say two things about it. Jake and I were just talking uh, 
before the show. Our about, producer, yeah. Yeah, about the nexus that existed at that point between WJCZ, WCHB, and WDET. Hmm. And I made the point, which I think listeners will find interesting, Jake did, that, you know, radio was very segregated in Detroit and everywhere else at that point. And the one place where there were black and white voices on the radio was WDET. I was proud of that. I identified with that. Uh, it was part of what made me be proud to be at DET at that time. But it also speaks to the second point, which is we're now deep into the Reagan years, mm -hmm. which very much resemble the Trump years, and which the election of Reagan was itself a backlash response Absolutely. to a whole bunch of things in the same way Trump is a backlash response to the Obama presidency and so on and so forth. So there... There was a political environment, both at the station but in the city at large, that we were having a new kind of political conversation, and DET was a very logical place for that to happen. Yeah. So tell us what that conversation was like here on air in the 1980s. So I'll give you two examples, or two points. One is, one of the things I'm proud of, I wish I could find this, or probably somebody can. So... At one point, the Detroit News, which, as you know, Stephen, I have said all my <laughs> adult life, is the official spokes organ for white supremacy in Detroit, <laughs> even today. <laughs> but back then, it was outrageous. And I remember being delighted that they wrote an editorial against WDET, citing me by name as a point on the political spectrum that should basically be silenced and not have a voice. <laughs> oh, no. What had you done to inspire this I don't editorial? remember the <laughs> specifics. Could have been anything, as we both know. <laughs> but it also, again, brings us back to the context of the Reagan years, where there was a concerted effort in the Reagan administration to suppress public radio. And as you know, that's an ongoing battle that yeah. has raged as long as there has been public radio and public TV as well, uh, it's always a political struggle to keep that space open for any discussion at all. One more quick story. Sure. One of the things that we did that was great is that for at least some of the time when I was here, DET was mostly a, a music station at that point. The news department was tiny. Mm -hmm. I think it was me and a bunch <laughs> of interns mostly. Maybe we'll get back to that. But who followed me at one point was the legendary Rosetta Hines, who had come from WJZZ and was taken in, as I recall, by DET and given a show. And Rosetta and I came up with the concept of the one-minute radio show. So instead of just doing the sort of traditional handoff, we every day planned this, how we were going to use that one minute in which we transitioned from morning <laughs> edition to the Rosetta Hines show, uh, jazz show on yeah. the radio. And I, I, to me, that just helps capture the, the spirit of the station at that point. Yeah, yeah. Rosetta Hines is a name that I remember really well from WJZZ as a kid. Uh, that, that was the station that uh, my father had on uh, all day and all night in his house. And so all of the names from that era right. on that station are in my mind uh, as though they were 
characters in in the storybooks I might have read or something. Well, and like still that. loom large. And by the way, maybe uh, Stephen, this is the time to have one sad note mm-hmm. uh, and note the passing of Ken Gazola, who yes. was here at the station when I was here too, and who yeah. was just an extraordinary and wonderful woman. Yeah, uh, another name that uh, shaped my childhood sort of sensibility about news, uh, uh-huh. but also about radio here in the in the city of Detroit. Uh, and such a great name, right? Yes. Uh, a name you would never forget. Never forget. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Frank Joyce. He's an author and an activist, and he was the news director here at WDET in the early to mid-1980s. We are celebrating 70 years of WDET this year, and one of the things that we're doing is having a series of conversations with current and former employees about their time here and what the station was like when they were here. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, you have memories of WDET from the mid-1980s, the early 1980s, or any other time, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will work you into the conversation. Another person you worked with uh, when you were here, Frank, is uh, Don Gagne, who uh-huh. is a familiar name to our listeners because he's now uh, at NPR in in Washington. Comes back to Detroit every once in a while. Is a big booster, I think, of uh, of all things Detroit. Well, as, as am I, and as I remember it, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Don's uh, uh, program with uh, Andalisi. With Andalisi, sure. Yeah, coming yeah. up on the 29th. Um, my recollection, my story, I, I'm sticking to it until Don or somebody tells me different, <laughs> was that Don started as an intern when I was news director, then became a reporter, and then became news director. Um, and there were some illustrious interns in that era uh, in the news department at WDT. Barbara Jones, for example, who now works at the Center for Peace and Conflict mm-hmm. Studies here, Imara Hyman. It was quite a crew, and there was a lot of energy, and Don was very much a part of that. And internships have always been important. A- any place I've ever been in, in my life, I've cultivated interns and wanted to have internship programs because even though it's shameless exploitation on the one hand <laughs> of free labor. It's how we all get started though, right? There is a trade-off <laughs> and when it's done properly, people get mentored and they get skills and they get experience and they get, you know, points to put on their resume. Sure. And Don was one of those people. Chuck Wilbur was a later news director who mm-hmm. also uh, was an intern. And, uh, This is sort of an awkward segue, but another thing, Stephen, I think I should say, I have an intersection with WDET in many ways, including when I left DET, I went uh, to the UAW. Mm -hmm. Many listeners may not know that the license for what is now WDET was given to Wayne State University by the UAW UAW. in the first place. And I was very involved when I was public relations director there in the 50th anniversary. I'm dating myself now for sure, (laughs) but in the 50th anniversary observances uh, of WDET. So... But that's an important part of, of DET history, to yeah. be sure. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Gene uh, in Detroit, another familiar name. Gene, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, Gene, how are you? 
Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, just wanted to give a shout-out to Frank and to uh, appreciate you mentioning the UAW and ask uh, how much union support do, uh, does the station still get? That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't. I mean, there is no not formal, enough. How about that? <laughs> there's no formal relationship anymore. Uh, I would imagine there's lots of union members among our listeners, though, and uh, certainly during pledge time, I'm hoping we're hearing from them, uh, continuing their their support. Um, that um, uh, that that sort of reminds me of. Uh, the way that programming and culture have changed, I guess, not uh-huh. just here at WDET, but in radio since uh, since you were here. There, there were different kinds of relationships and rules, I guess, back then. Well, there were different kinds of relationships and rules. And, you know, the early 80s, as we've said, was a transition period, I think, in a lot of ways. And one of them was it was at least a part of a long process in which television sort of overthrew radio uh, as a more important medium of communication. And so amongst the struggles that all radio, including public radio and including DET, were dealing with at that point were not only overt political attacks from members of Congress and the president and the Detroit News editorial pages and so on and so forth, but the attention that was shifting, particularly as a source for news from radio to TV. I think NPR has played a critical role in the United States in maintaining radio as a go-to place for news, and I think that's very important. And I think the format uh, of DET currently is, is great. I don't think the station's ever sounded better than it is sounding these days. But you're right, this is part of a long arc of how communi- the communications environment itself has changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you were also uh, a, f- a print journalist uh, for, for a long right. time and, and partial founder, right, of um, uh, and I'll, I'll the Fifth Estate. The Fifth Estate, uh, yeah, um, which, which also is, is different these days. I mean, this idea of... Uh, uh, the the marriage in this town, especially between uh, activist politics uh, and journalism, which produced the Fifth Estate, uh-huh. just looks really different these days than it used to. You know, I've had this, I was recently having this conversation with a publisher in Vietnam, in Hanoi, just <laughs> last month. Um, a whole other story, but relevant to this the alternative press, as it was called at the time, which included the Fifth Estate and newspapers in you know, all the major cities uh, all across the country, was itself an answer to what is, we could now would have called then, if we'd had the language, fake news. We felt there was a tremendous vacuum in Detroit and elsewhere in how mainstream media, especially print media at that point, what it was omitting and the way it was committing journalism at the time. Mm. And that, together with the new technology of cheap offset printing, gave birth to the Fifth Estate, but also gave birth to a way of thinking about news and who controls it and who decides what it is we get to talk about and what are the frameworks in which we have those conversations. And as you said at the outset, Stephen, 
that's a part of the mentality that I brought to DET, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was I said, look, we're not here to do what everybody else is doing. Who needs that? <laughs> right. We are here to do something that is not being done elsewhere in the media. And that spectrum has changed, but I still think that is ideally a part of the mission of public broadcasting in particular. Yeah. Uh, one of the ways it's changed, I think, is that it's ma- technology has made it a lot easier for lots of people who would have been among the quote-unquote locked out, right? right. Uh, yes. Uh, unhirable in mainstream journalism or whatever, uh, to, to go and do it on their own and, and to publish in ways and connect with people in ways that, uh, that weren't possible uh, 30 or 40 years ago. Well, the explosion of podcasting is a, is a very good example of that. Yes. It's still important, though, I think, to have places that can try to gather bigger audiences, have more diverse and bigger conversations, and uh, not contribute to the creation of these very, uh, again, I'll use a cliche, these silos of information sure. uh, in which the, the pool is just getting too tiny. Yeah for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, when you were here, there was also a show called Dr. Science, which <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> well, Dr. Science started, if I remember correctly, in uh, San Francisco, and it was an early form of syndicating radio in ways that, you know, was still before satellites. But, um, and Dr. Science, I don't remember his real name at the moment, but it was, uh, it was a, like a one-minute radio program, and Dr. Science would say nonsensical and goofy things <laughs> about science. And I was the one who advocated for including it on the station and including it within the news block. <laughs> um, and, but because it was satirical and because it was anything but conventional news— it was controversial uh, at the time, uh, including with Karen Mathis, uh, who tolerated it, but who always had her doubts about, <laughs> does this belong here at all? And if so, does it belong in the news program? But Dr. Science was a real person. He did a couple of shows in Detroit. He sort of took the program on the road. Mm-hmm. I remember introducing him uh, in an appearance he made in Detroit uh, at the music hall, and uh, I don't know, Jake or somebody, it would be way cool if somebody could dig up. If we could get audio a, a doctor, that. just one doctor. I'd I bet, love to hear it. I bet there's a YouTube or something say, somewhere that got it, would yeah. be, it, it, it would be hilarious. <laughs> We're going to work on that. To listen to. Now, of mm-hmm. course, we have a satirical scientist who is the president of the United <laughs> States. Um, right. It's come full circle. And we're trying not to put him on the air. <laughs> we're trying so. not to put him on the air. <laughs> All right. Frank Joyce, author and activist, news director here at WDET in the early to mid-1980s. It's really great to catch up with you. Thanks. Thanks very much for the memories. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.